When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know what a snow day means when you're an adult, especially if you work from home? It means that it's snowing outside when you're working from home. Nate Bauer, Thomas Frank Carr, we're here on the BWI Live show. Uh, Fitz will be joining us in a little bit. Looks like uh, we're having more. This is the, it is crazy, Nate. I am, I guess, grateful that during the Penn State football season, your internet was amazing. Uh, but you and Fitz, who both live in State College, have had unending network problems uh, during the Tuesday live show since the end of the season. Um, so I'm just glad you're here, honestly. I'm just glad we got 50% of the equation on the show today. Listen, we're, uh, uh, as the kids say, flying by the seat of our pants today. Do uh, kids say that now? No, but I like to say, <laughs> as the kids say, for anything. Uh, let me tell you something, T. Frank. You haven't lived until you've tried to drive up a hill covered in snow Mm -hmm. in a 2010 Toyota Corolla Sport Edition. (laughs) I have done it in a 2016 Mazda. So now that everyone knows what kind of cars we drive, they can say hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, last two. It's Tuesdays too. Last Tuesday, I had to go to a wrestling press conference uh, in a slush blizzard. And boy, Whew, living out here in the country, it's not no. as much fun when you don't have a four-wheel drive vehicle in these no. in these conditions. No, it was I I was I was stopped and my daughter was in the back seat and she was saying, Daddy, like what's happening? I mean, this was the first time she ever experienced this. She's never seen this. And yeah. uh was like, uh, I'm gonna try to prevent us from dying here. That's that's goal number one. We might not make it home, but we're not gonna die. <laughs> uh Steven Changers uh in uh, Nipa in Northeast Pennsylvania, snowy there as well. So hope everyone is safe and everyone's, uh, you know, making it through all of the different blizzards and hail and snow. And there was lightning. I mean, we're starting with two minutes and 40 seconds of weather talk, but there was lightning sure. this weekend. Uh, that was crazy. Uh, also, um, basketball tonight, uh, yeah. Nate, give yeah. us a little preview of what's coming up, uh, with the Nittany lines on the hard court. Listen, I I don't know about you, but if I love anything, anything in the world, Mm -hmm. right? It's like chocolate, obviously, just other foods, Mm -hmm. and 9 o'clock Tuesday basketball games (laughs) in January at the Bryce Jordan Center. It just just gets me going. It's a long work day that you love if there's if there's nothing something that i know nate bauer loves it's the fact that he's starting here at 10 a.m and he's putting in 12 plus hours today uh covering sports in the snow let's let's not get carried away it's it's not about the work element it's 
I have to be awake, like I <laughs> like physically awake at yeah. eleven thirty tonight. Well, and you so, were, by the way, you were um, getting on stuff late on Sunday night as well. Penn State naming a special teams coordinator. I want to get into that as well. So uh, can you just take us through uh, the Nittany Lions really quick turnaround from uh, from one special teams coordinator to the other, Stacey Collins out, and uh, Justin Lustig, I believe is his name, uh, the new special teams coordinator for Penn State that you reported. It was out there. So tell us what you know about the situation. Yeah, so T. Frank, first of all, you've got your days messed up just like me. It was Monday night because oh, today geez. is Tuesday. Uh, so in any case, Tuesday, or excuse me, Monday night. Yes, Penn State. We we had had a little bit of an inkling, uh, I, I guess a little bit, maybe Monday afternoon that something was coming uh, and couldn't, couldn't quite lock it down. Last night, Matt Zenitz of uh, 24-7 reported first. We quickly confirmed that uh, Justin Lustig, uh, he is the assistant, was the assistant head coach at Vanderbilt. He was their tight ends coach, and he is their special teams coordinator, uh, will be joining Penn State. So one of those things where the, the the phrasing and the wording is kind of important because it's like he's not hired yet, right? right? There's, there's all kinds of formalities that uh, that need to happen before that becomes official. Is this but, a compensation committee hire? Like, does, does every I, hire need to go through the compensation committee, or is it just the coordinators? I, I believe just the coordinators. Okay. I, I, there's a, there's a threshold. I don't know what it is, but it's okay. it's uh, it's got seven figures and um, <laughs> something that would make you maybe, sit up and take notice in a budget. Like maybe he's making a million. I, I'm not sure to be honest mm -hmm. with you. Uh, but in any case, yeah, that's, that's, that's done. They've, they've agreed. He's agreed to that job. Um, and so, yeah, so we'll see, you know, uh, the, the ever changing, um, landscape of special teams, right. At Penn state. I mean, certainly yeah. it's that James Franklin has prioritized through his career and, and through his tenure at Penn state, um, you know, but to, to mixed results, right. I mean, they're, mm -hmm. they're, they have had some, some ups and downs, but for the most part, I would, I would, uh, you know, say pretty strongly that they've had, they've had better special teams as a strength of the, of right. Of what they're doing than mm -hmm. poor. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be his, uh, his mantle to, uh, to, to carry moving forward. Uh, so just generally cleaning up Stacy Collins, very short stay with the Nittany Lions, but I, you would say overall a success in terms yeah. of development and growth that they, they had under, under Collins uh, was this and I apologize if this is something you don't have any insight on but just curiosity kind of throw this out to the internet um just wanted to move back to the west coast uh moving back to Boise yep. State as a special teams coordinator seemed like that was a pretty logical went wanted to go home sort of move is that is that yeah. fair to characterize it that way yeah and it's kind of tough for for James Franklin that he's had or the program I should say that that they've had that happened back to back right is uh it might be time to you know, if you want stability, if that's something that you're you're seeking, spe specifically at that spot, at that special teams coordinator spot, um, you know, the, Joe Lorig wanted to go back to the Pacific Northwest, and yeah. and now Collins does as well. Their family, right? He he had been raising his family. Uh, he's got two daughters, I want to say, um, you know, who are teenagers ish, and so uh, when you spend a, a good amount of your time in one area of of the country and you know come to come to the east coast and come to come to penn state um you know it um 
it's a it's a transition, right? It's just yeah. a, it's a it's a hard thing to do, and and so they obviously they made that decision. It, it, it's a a lateral move that I'm sure Franklin doesn't want to happen, um, but also one that hey, this is what you do. Like you yeah. pick yourself up and you move on. So and Lustig is is uh, Chris. Bleggy here says in the chat, love the hire, little bias as a central a cathedral prep grad and Erie native. Lustig has done great things at every stop he's been at. He's so ties to the area, feels like this might have the opportunity. And uh, the resume, you know, from what I was reading at your article, which you can, anyone can go check out at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Um, some of the things that you pull up in terms of his resume sounds great. Like this is a guy who's on the sim a similar level of reputation wise, maybe to Stacey Collins and to the guys that they've had in the room. Yeah. No, he's he's been a, a a Broyles candidate, right? Nominee, um, you know. I look. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to say this delicately or gracefully, but like a lot of people get that at some point in their right to become a nominee isn't right. right, but as as you compile them and as you um, you know, you go through your career, like the thing that stands out more than anything to me is that he's been a, a decent number of places. He's gone through this and special teams coordinator has been one of his titles throughout. So mm -hmm. that like, that's what this guy does is, is he has been uh, a special teams coordinator for, right. I mean, he started, I believe in 2001. Um, and I would say all but three of those years since 2001, he has been a special teams coordinator, whether it's at ball state, uh, whether it's at Syracuse, he spent, five or six years at Syracuse uh, and obviously the last three years at Vanderbilt. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a guy, it's a guy who's uh, who, who's put his time in and has had a lot of success and is a guy who's really highly thought of in, in coaching circles. So um, this is even, this is even a guy who had been on Penn States and James Franklin's radar previously, mm -hmm. right. As it, for a position like this. And so to, to make this happen now, uh, I, I think certainly internally um, is is being viewed as a win for the program. Uh, Losi's mustache is back. He says Nate's opinion on special teams coordinator the only one, the only opinion that matters. Uh, I would say Fitz Thanks, has Losey. something. To, Fitz has something to say about that. We'll see if we get him here on the show. Uh, radio silence on on that end. So uh, he he's we'll get him here for the mailbag. That's my prediction. That's coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, and speaking of uh, a couple other comments here in the chat, we are going to have the BWI mailbag at the end of the show. So if you got a question in there, I, I'm not ignoring it. We're saving it for later, savoring it, you know, kind of like dessert at the end. Uh, Jeremy asks, hey, do y'all think the receiver room will be much better or the same? Jeremy, we're going to talk a lot about receivers today. And Nate, we're going to talk a lot about receivers for the next eight months. Like, this is going to be defensive tackle for 2024. The receiver room, we are going to, I, I think, hyper-obsess about that over the next couple of months. So buckle in. It's going to be a long ride. But the first thing we got to tell you about um, is it's not just snowy. It's not just cold. It's not just January. This is the dark days of prep in the football season. So if you have a son or a football team, you want to give them an edge on the football field, one of the best ways is to learn how to use your hands and one of the best people, the best person to go to is Bruce Lombard at Lombard MMA. He is currently training the Penn State offensive line, denied Dennis Sutton, other players in the area in uh, hand fighting, boxing, different techniques. So if he can't come to you, he can still come to you with MMA FX. This is a video tutorial. 
comprehensive hand fighting program video set for football players. The only one available uh, featuring, as you can see here, former Penn State All Big Ten defensive lineman and former NFL player Anthony Zettel. This has been a hand fighting program that's been used by the Giants, the Texans, Alabama, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia Tech, all kinds of different places, not just James Franklin and friends and, and the coaching tree from, from here in Penn State. Across the country, uh, people have sought out this program. It's professional videography, which includes different techniques, slow motion, visual details. So you don't have to be the coach. You can learn along with your players about what Bruce is trying to teach you and using your hands to defeat blocks. The number one way to be a dominant defensive lineman is to make blocks irrelevant. And you do that with your hands and all of those gains you're getting in, in, the, uh, in the gym right now. So make this a part of your off-season routine and you get a special deal right now. This is pretty awesome. You get 15% off. I'll throw this up here for you on the screen so you can see it if you're listening on the podcast. If you're a regular, you've heard about this plenty of times, but I want to make sure you get it again. Use promo code 15BWI to get 15% off at LombardMMA.com backslash shop. That's 15% off at LombardMMA.com backslash shop um, on uh, MMAFX. And of course, you can reach out to Bruce uh, anytime Bruce at MMAFX.net. If you're local and you want to get uh, in on some training, you want to learn about uh, all of those other things that he has to, to teach you, uh, that's Bruce at MMAFX.net. Uh, Nate, another uh, thing that happened this week that is kind of a thing that happened, and it, you know, it, it's a silent thing. We passed the NFL draft deadline. So yeah. the players on the roster that are on the roster will be in college football at the very least for the 2024 season. And I know we've had a long conversation yeah. recently about uh, some of those players here, but the main actor, the main pl person, player that we're talking about is Keandre Lambert-Smith. Yeah. Uh, he is on the roster. He is here. What are your thoughts about just generally these developments with uh, a win for Penn State, trying to improve that receiver room and player retention for 2024? How do you feel about it now that we've passed that deadline? Yeah, I've... I've you have to let these things play out, right? And I think I said it on the last show. I'll say it again, right? Uh, for us to sit here and treat the roster today as though it will be the roster on August 28th is faulty thinking, right? Yeah. You, you can't count on necessarily anything. But <clears throat> for the time being, it is, it, yeah, Keandre is sticking with Penn state, right. He's, mm -hmm. he's staying in the program and, and that's status quo and, and status quo honestly is a win for Penn state. Uh, I, I understand some of the dynamics and things that uh, raise concerns, right. Uh, just kind of how he disappeared at the end of the year and, mm -hmm. and wasn't able to make that much of an impact down the stretch. Uh, yeah. I like, I get it if you're a Penn state fan, but what I will say is uh his, his, well, first of all, was out of position most, most of the year. I think, is that a fair statement? T Frank uh, out of position? Uh, you know, they intended to move him to the slot and that wasn't really where he got the bulk of his reps. Yeah. So that's a complicated question, right? <laughs> that's okay. an absolutely yeah, yeah. complicated question because that's they I, also that's what played I'm leaning on you for. Yeah, they, they played 12 personnel. And this is something that somebody asked me on the message board of, uh, you know, kind of leading into that is Liam Clifford. Why didn't we see Liam Clifford more? Uh, but you saw him early in the year when Trey Wallace was hurt because they primarily wanted Keandre Lambert-Smith on the field, number one. But they didn't have 
three receiver sets to put him in the slot all that often because they were playing two tight ends. Like you have to make these choices. So uh, out of position, I think they bent over backwards to put him in position as much as they could. But yes, I think the plan this year didn't necessarily work out the way they wanted it to, where he could be that slot guy to take a lot of, uh, snaps and a lot of uh you know purely from the slot but he did get a, a number of those opportunities um i i like the it's complicated angle <laughs> don't you with, always with, with him no but, but specifically it's 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 uh he's like to me if i'm if i'm playing general manager right if mm-hmm. i'm if i'm looking at the roster and i'm i'm uh considering wins and losses in terms of personnel uh, right having a 22 year old back is a win right having like just having fifth year guys back particularly ones who you identified before the start of the season as being very clearly more talented than the rest of the room yeah like there there's a difference between getting that guy back and getting the the eighth guy on the depth chart that just didn't develop right or didn't yeah. take any strides really never threatened to to crack into that top of the lineup so yeah I, like i see it as more of a win than than not but also but you know there's some <laughs> unpredictability there yeah with, with him i think that that's yeah. a fair w- way to describe him and so it's uh you know it's a, a little bit of a okay you know this is where to me like playing psychologist and managing expectations and managing personalities is such a huge part of college football yeah it's interesting because we have talked a lot about keander lambert smith over the last couple of weeks because he had these decisions to make but he's not the only receiver in the room that didn't necessarily take a step forward the guys that took a step forward i think you can just generally in terms of what you expected of them or maybe what we talked about preseason to the end of the season, I'd say Caden Saunders looked better by the end of the season than he did at the beginning, but that's also opportunity-driven. Um, and then maybe Liam Clifford looked kind of the same throughout the year of a guy who saw the field when there was an opportunity, made plays when there was an opportunity, but everybody else was wildly inconsistent within that room. So um, we're going to get into some questions in the mailbag about uh, that particular situation, but, you know, kind of coming back around to this point, I think this is interesting now that it's a little, it seems a little more realistic now that we've passed some of these deadlines of next year, you could have the starting three of, uh, Julian Fleming, Keandre Lambert Smith and, uh, Trey Wallace. And that does give you the option to put Keandre Lambert Smith in the slot full time because Julian Fleming is absolutely an outside receiver. He can play in the slot. Sure. But, you know, primarily last year played on the outside for Ohio State. Uh, Trey Wallace, absolutely an outside receiver. So your 13 personnel, uh, you know, your three receiver personnel, excuse me, your 11 personnel um, looks a lot, I think, a lot different than it did last season where you have uh, some depth returning of those outside receivers as well. So it's just going to be interesting whether they choose to do that. And here's the other thing, Nate. If you choose to use 12 personnel a lot, that also dictates how many how many times you have receivers on the field and a lot of different things about your offense. So Andy Cole, Nikki, all these decisions, I think that they're also a part of uh, next next fall, but they have, it seems, better options, at least on paper right now with that veteran uh, component you talked about. T-Frank, 
let me let me let's turn the tables. I want to ask you a question. Sure. What worked from Penn State's offense this year? What like what what worked? Because <laughs> there was a comment that that Franklin made. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was in December, but I, I can't remember. It might have been close. It might have been end of November. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically saying. We're not as far off as it seems, hmm. right? Like that, that was kind yeah. of the gist. And, and it was just a, it was a one-off, but it struck me as interesting for an offense that I'm not sure uh, anyone else saw that. And so I'm wondering if you did like, because we, <laughs> we talked about that, right. Is that, you know, like something's wrong here. So, something's not right. Even so, in the obvious stuff. So, uh, Hmm. I was going back and I've been doing a little bit more work on Tom Allen to see more about his defense and how it functioned last year beyond, I think the first layer of information and really like during the season, you know, I'm doing my best to get as much information about these guys, but my job is not to full-time scout the opponent. Like, that's a part of what I'm doing. So I don't get, like, deep into the weeds about different players, personnel, packages, usage, all those things. I can kind of get the general idea of what they're trying to do. And with Tom Allen, you usually start with the coverage shells and the different things they do. But my point here is I went back and I was watching the Penn State-Indiana game again, and it's amazing. There's a lot. There was a lot of meat left on the bone. Uh, from from the passing game perspective of guys that were open and the quarterback didn't quite see it and the offensive line didn't quite give him enough time to get there and just generally that thing was out of sync but I guess the point is the receivers weren't locked down all the time they were not always not open I know it's a double negative they were open sometimes and you know, I don't think it's that far from a schematic tweak to get the quarterback's eyes in the right position to get them um, into, I think, the offense again, because that was really the biggest problem is they couldn't consistently get the receivers into the offense. I think with some tweaking, they can do that now. Uh, joining us now, speaking of some oh, tweaking, wow. working hard, I told you he'd be here by the mailbag. This man uh is uh is a tireless worker behind the scenes sean fitz welcome to the show appreciate you working through your your issues with the internet this morning yes plenty of issues all around i did not flip my desk which i was very close to doing but uh we're here we're talking um and i'm not feeling the question of what worked this year so i'm, I'm i feel like i dodged a bullet there <laughs> i didn't even answer the question what worked i started with what didn't work you saw it like, okay i'm getting out of this one <laughs> So uh, sorry about that, everyone. It's uh, it's been a day, but anyway, we're here. We're great, Nate. You got your Lake Placid sweatshirt on. That's great. Sure do. Yeah, sure do. Celebrating been, the so. great Northern New York scenery today. Celebrating Justin Lustig, who uh, spent a couple years at Syracuse. So yeah. Uh, while you're here, now that you're here, Fitz, what your your thoughts on Justin Lustig? Because uh, I know that, that you know somebody said earlier. That Nate is the preeminent Losi's mustache. That Nate is a preeminent special teams opinion, but I mean, floor is yours to to rebut that, Fitz. Nate does not want to have a special teams opinion. I can tell you that. Uh, no. Justin Lustig, <laughs> very successful guy, um, and a lot of stops. And it's it's tough to gauge special teams. He was at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's bad. Vanderbilt's very bad. 
but the special teams was okay. Um, Syracuse was bad. The special teams were actually pretty good there. Um, so every step along the way, when he's been asked to specialize in that, he's done a really nice job. Um, they've blocked some kicks, um, his, his, his punting averages. And that, and that's the thing when you look at this, like punting average, like net punting and well, net punting is a little bit different, but like how far your guy can kick the ball is really not on the special teams coordinator. These guys are not kicking specialists. A lot of these, co- a lot of these players have kicking specialist coaches, um, er, uh, you know, there was a couple analysts on staff this year that are maybe a little bit more kicking specialists. Like, I, I love Stacy Collins. Stacey, you look at Stacy Collins, you don't see a kicker. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll just say that. So, um, you look at uh, what these guys are asked to do, and it's more schematic, and it's very important. And, I, and it was really interesting watching um, people follow this one as compared to you know, refresh off an offensive coordinator search, refresh off a defense coordinator search, and just the level of importance that people place on those two positions as opposed to the special teams uh, positions. Number one, personally offensive to me as a special teams guy, but number two, like this is a very important position. Now uh, coaching, coaching staffs expanded to 10 a couple of years ago. I guess it's more than a couple of years ago now. Um, But uh, that was the main thing. You know, once upon a time you could take Charles Huff, you could make him the running backs coach, make him the special teams coach. It was more of a title to get a little bit more money into, to his pocket there. Um, Schools do that all over the place, um, but it was a situation where you would break it down specifically. You know, this guy is on punt block. This guy is on kickoff coverage. This guy is on this this special teams. But with the tenth assistant, you have the ability and the freedom more so um, to bring in a dedicated special teams coach. Stacy Collins, one of the best in the country. Um, I think Justin Lustig is also one of the best in the country. Um, there's there's not a terribly long list of guys that uh, you know really make sense, but uh, but Lustig is one of those guys that could could step in, given his roots in Pennsylvania. Given and he played right up the road in Bucknell. Like there's there's a whole lot of things about this hire that makes sense. And and really it's a reason that he's been on boards that I've done going back to when they hired Joe Lorig and maybe even before that. Um, like he's he's always been a guy that's been in the mix. So um I think it's a it's one that makes a lot of sense uh from a recruiting perspective and in even more sense from a special teams perspective. To just to see people just be like, well, why don't they move uh, why, why don't they give Ty Howell the, um, you know, and there, there's so many hypotheticals. You could have gone with an up and comer could have gone. They did go with the veteran guy. You could have gone with the splitting d- duties thing could have mm-hmm. moved, you know, not move Ty Howell, but make Ty Howell, uh, a special teams coordinator and bring Danny O'Brien up to quarterbacks coach. So the, the thing, the difference with special teams is you've got options. Like you don't have that with offense coordinator, defense coordinator, you've got options there, but I think they picked the right, the steady option. Penn state special teams have not been an issue kind of whatsoever, and that's the that that is the best possible way that you can describe a special teams coach is if they're if they're good you don't notice them as much it's kind of like yeah. a long snapper um, and it's uh it's kind of like the the right fit here with Justin Lustig and they've brought in and they've been able to identify I think something hard to do which is identify kickers in the portal just generally identifying kickers even at the NFL level is hard and even if you know not every kicker that they've gotten has worked out they've been able to find competition and make that work for the team over the last couple of years uh, just quickly uh, did you have something you wanted to follow up there with and then i got yeah, and they have help you. with that i mean they they find kickers they, they you know cole's kicking corn blue all, all these different these guys they run their own camps and stuff like that but they also provide input talk to college coaches talk to and that's one of the the most valuable things about their services if you're a kicker or rubio snapping or anything like that is that they do have the contacts with the coaches to get them in the right spot to to actually give them the right evaluation so that helps with that um alex falcons and i'm, I'm I, I apologize to his coach but 
he had a kicking specialist that sort of hooked him up with uh, with different colleges, and, and and Penn State was one of those. So like the the kicking aspect of it is handled by a lot of it out of house and. Mm-hmm. Got uh, analysts and stuff that that have done that, and um, Eric, uh, Eric Sachet was one of the guys that that did it. Um, but uh, it's 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 so much more than just here's how you kick the ball. Like it's 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 very different than that. So um, encouraged to see the the schematic changes that he might make. They they may be very minor. Um, we saw, I think we did we did see some some decent changes from Joe Lurig to Stacy Collins, but um, they seem to have worked. And uh, you know. Stacy is, is headed back west where his uh his heart is and it's it's just one of those things that you have to to, to move on and it landing yeah. with Justin Lustig who's one of the most respected guys in the in the country at that position is is a pretty good spot to land. Uh one follow-up question I wanted to to ask you you mentioned um as part of your initial kind of conversation about uh Lustig and and Bucknell and some Pennsylvania ties. Uh when you when you're talking about recruiting is that just for special teams? Um, or is that kind of just a general recruiting body person who has ties to certain high schools and relationships like that? How, how I guess with special teams, how does that work? Are they specifically looking at only, you know, guys that fit that profile or are they or are they just generally helping out with recruiting on either side? No, they're going to help out on other side. We, we talk about the offensive and defensive coordinator sort of being specialist, like specialized recruiting. Um, mm-hmm. They will do their specialist specialized recruiting, but at the same time, he's going to have to have to, to carry his weight in certain spots. It was really interesting to watch Stacy Collins with, with everything that he did as a recruiter um, with the specialist, mostly in the portal um, given. Uh, but like he was good in New York. He was good in New England. Like you talk to some of those guys up, uh, up there and they felt that he fit in as a recruiter that could handle the Northeast like that, that that's kind of how he went. And then we go back to Venga. He's a primary reason that Venga's here, you know? So um, it, the, he's a guy that, uh, that, that really helped out in different areas. And Justin Lustig is going to be able to do that. Um, he's got, you know, he's from Erie. who's was a cathedral prep guy. Um, he's, he's got the connections up there, played at Bucknell, uh, Syracuse, New York state is, is what it is in terms of recruiting, but he's got Northeast con- uh, connections. It's got a few more connections down South there as well. So he's going to be able to sort of expand that net. Uh, I don't know that he's going to be an ACE, but you know, you've, you've got some other ACEs on the staff. Uh, Appreciate both of your insights into that. And uh, we've got some great questions here in the chat. I, like I said at the beginning of the show, we're not ignoring them. I just needed uh, to get them here to this part of the show. So if you if you dropped, uh, especially if you, there are a couple of people that we'll get to here uh, to start off with, uh, with some of those, we're getting to it now. The BWI mailbag is back. We're going to start with the chat today. Eli Hoff says, now that we have new coordinators, three new coordinators, um, what are your expectations and do we see a big difference or a minimal difference? Um, let's just do one each uh, so that we're not doing three each for making nine different answers. Uh, he does love Nate's style today. Nate, you're getting a lot of points for the blue hat with the Lake Placid. This is a this is a good look. Uh, we'll start with you. Um, what, are you what are your expectations about the differences defensively uh, with with uh the you know uh oh my goodness tom allen coming in yeah place many ideas well i know that i know what everyone doesn't want me to say so i'm gonna say it 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 takes a build-up guys you know you need like a year or two runway before you can really get your your unit in the top no i'm just kidding (laughs) look the uh 
they got a bunch of players back that are really good. So mm-hmm. Tom Allen is like, that's, uh, you know, I hate the top chef analogy, but I use it all the time. So I'm going to go to it again. It, give the chef more ingredients and the dish will be better. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if pr- presuming that Tom Allen, who has made uh, his bones over the years doing, uh, doing this right make making uh, good defenses and maximizing talent with less talent give him more you're and... saying he's never had truffle oil to work with or you know what there's there's crazier like stuff lamb. than that out there yeah like a lamb <laughs> right uh yeah. walk raw no so give give him give him those things i i to me uh i see like Tom Allen doesn't have a heavy lift and really being fair to, to everyone. And this is no disrespect to anyone. What, what was the last heavy lift right on the defensive side of the ball at, at Penn state? Maybe, maybe Brent Pry coming off of Bob shoot, uh, like was 15's defense, all that. Good. I mean, maybe it was pretty good. I'm, I'm not, I can't remember exactly, but just saying, um, Andy Kotelnicki is to, to me, the one who has, uh, <clears throat> Yeah. Ooh. So you, you missed the, uh, Fitz, you missed the conversation earlier. I'm not going to ask you what worked on the offense last year, but like, w- what are you expecting? Um, kind of from a broad view to answer Eli's question about, um, differences in Andy Kotelnicki, uh, from Mike Yersich efficiency. Is that a good place to start? I would say efficiency and flexibility. Like that was not a, a thing that we saw a lot with Mike Yersich. He wanted to get that passing game going. If that was the last thing he did, um, we saw some of that at the end of the season uh, with the running game with the other guys uh, calling it. And and that's not to say that Kolarnicki uh, is going to turn this into a ground and pound team or anything like that. It, it is finding where you're at the or what you've got at your disposal that works the best and going with it and uh, working around the other issues, which is something he did really well at Kansas. Um, I, I'm very curious to see, um, how he does things with motion, because I think that yeah. Penn state's offense really seemed to start from a standstill. And yeah. I think that's kind of Penn state's <laughs> has been Penn state's thing the last couple of years is you start from a standstill and you go from there. Um, so I'm very curious to see how he works that because he did a fantastic job with that at, at, uh, at Kansas. I've got the Illinois game on my mind here is yeah, yeah, yeah. getting people in motion, diagnosing coverages, making it easy for the quarterback to figure out what the coverage is and going from there. Because I think that that's something that has been, you know, it's been around, but I don't think it's been something that has been exposed all yeah. that much. And I think that he's a guy that, that has that reputation that's able to do that. Uh, motion with a purpose. I think right. is the thing that because Penn State used motion at the end of the year, but like they are motioning into and out of stacks and things that were kind of I don't want to say simplistic, but they were not in in kind of a modern sense. And and I always bring this up, but this is where it's coming from is like the Shanahan tree of coaching has introduced motion into college football and the NFL in a way that is. Um, I think incorporates this blurring of of run and pass game where you have guys that are motioning specifically to change uh, the the defensive structure and to do specific things to move chess pieces around the board to get you um, explosive plays or just easier windows for the quarterback. A lot of times it felt like the motion was we need to motion. Um, it was motioning in this- into a formation that you want to run. And, yes. and that that's fine, but like... At the same time, you're you have a set goal. You know where you're going, and a lot of times, the other, the other team knew you were going there. So yes, yeah. yeah, especially kind of what as you said, like we're going to get the passing offense to work, and it's going to come out of these simplify a lot of stuff. Last year, I think was the thing 
simplify and run a lot of the same concepts and a lot of the same things which teams started to predict. Um, and we covered we covered the special team, so we'll, we'll move on from that. Doug W. asks, uh, Sean, you mentioned that you feel like Whippeal kids from Pittsburgh often end up having a more successful career than higher-ranked Philly kids. Why do you think that is? This refers to our last mailbag where Fitz talked about this. Uh, and, and Ryan also had the con- was in on the conversation about how um, these guys, you know, Penn State has made their hay recently dominating the state in Pittsburgh, kind of shoving Pitt out of Pittsburgh in a lot of different ways, getting guys that they want from that area, establishing dominance. But Philadelphia still remains elusive with some of the highly ranked guys. That's the the that's the general behind the scenes part of this question, if you didn't see that show. So do you want to expand upon that? Yeah. I mean, you look at the kids that Penn State has brought in, and this is more of a Philly dynamic than, you know, Pittsburgh versus Philly. But you look at some of the kids that they've brought in from Philly that have had success and um, they've had good offer lists. They've had opportunities elsewhere, but I think the priorities are a little bit different. You compare uh, Keon Wiley to Anai White two completely different recruitments. You look yep. at some of the other guys like that. Uh, uh, you're going to bring in Kenny Woosley this year. Like there's, there's different priorities there. Um, and you know, you look around Philly and Philly has come up very fast, like in the last decade or so they've come up very fast with stars, not just with, um, guys that can play, but like guys that are supposed to be these mega stars and not, not be honest with you, not, a ton of them have hit, um, but uh, at the yeah. same time, it's 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 developed to the culture around Philadelphia where people have gotten into these recruitments for the wrong reasons, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that that's been that's why you see kids end up the places that they do. The, the Philly kids, for a lot of them, the, the top Philly kids, like I said, I don't want to say they think they're too good for Penn State, but like they they see Penn State as a maybe a soft landing space and a safe, uh, a safe option versus going to the sec, going to, you know, Zahir math is going to go to Ohio state. And a lot of those, a lot of the kids that go to the places like that really don't even consider Penn state. Zahir Mathis didn't have Penn state in his top five. Like there's mm. different priorities and Hey, we live in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the state. Like there's there, you're going to have to get over that. If you're a city kid, it's not that appealing. Like, but you got to find the right, the right city kid that, that, you know, you can make this work because of the right reasons. So I think that that's, um, that's kind of where we're staying here with, uh, with, with the Philly kids versus the Pittsburgh kids. I don't think there's a, a fundamental difference. I was, you know, I was talking to Andy Frank at, at signing day a couple weeks ago, the kids for the most part are the same, like the kids over the last 20 years, you know, I've been doing this since 2006, the kids for the most part are the same priorities, the same type of things. Penn State gets a certain type of kid. They don't get a certain type of kid. Like it, it, it's not it's not a situation where things have changed dramatically in that in, in in that era in this last fifteen years or so. So I think that that's what I'm looking at. Is you you look at the priorities there. There's people around um, everywhere. It's not just a Philly thing. There's people around that uh, you know make these kids feel like they want to be somewhere else, somewhere bigger, somewhere yeah. flashier, somewhere uh, with more Texas A and M. You know, there's there's yep. there's a lot of different uh, there's a lot of different priorities there. So that's that's kind of my answer there. I, I think it's a roundabout type of thing. Every every kid is different. Every kid is different. Um, you know, you you've had some guys that have come up that have been Quentin Martin, for example. I know he's not a Philly guy, but he was a star. He's been a star for years. Um, you know, he, he kind of put his recruitment to bed. We expected that one to come back around at some point. It didn't. Like, mm-hmm. but but that is a case by case basis where it really worked out for Quentin Martin because he found what he wanted and he went with it. And, and really a lot of times when you're, when you're Penn state and this is probably what's going to keep you out of the top five of, of recruiting rankings, 
that's the type of kid that you get. That's the type of kid that you target. Like there's very different, uh, very different priorities there. So um, it's been interesting to watch over the last 10 years or so since James Franklin's been here. He's obviously up to the recruiting profile. He's made it a more desirable place for people of different backgrounds. Um, You know, it's (laughs) the roster now looks different than the roster did 15 years ago. Mm. And they're having a lot of success. So you keep going with it. Nate, I'm going to throw this one your way, and I'm going to lead the witness a little bit here. Why is it so hard? This is from Tin Man on the Blue White Illustrated Message Board. Why is it so hard for PSU to attract better receiver talent, whether out of school or the portal? Just want you to answer the portal part. Most of the top talent doesn't even visit unless they are from the PA region. I don't, I have not, uh, you know, that qualifier there at the end. I don't know if that's true or not, but Nate, um, I was doing a grading of Penn State in the transfer portal and their results from the winter window. And the thing I kept coming back to in my mind was, could they have reasonably done better without being among the NIL heavy hitters? And how much is that a limiter of their ability to use the portal selectively to go out and get those better receiver talents that Tin Man is talking about here? Yeah, I think it's... I think it's more complex than just saying Penn State can't throw a ton of money at individual receivers. And Fitz, you can you should help out on this one, but like it's not it's not just that. It's how does that upend the balance that you've created in the roster for deserving distribution of NIL deals, right? Like the notion of overpaying because it's an area of need, I think is one that this staff is very cognizant of, right? Yes. Like there's, there's definitely a balance there. You, you have to be able uh, to devote some of those resources to filling needs no matter what, right. No matter what that does, but also it's, it's not at the cost of, hey, everybody, like, I'm, I'm just throwing random numbers out here, but everybody else in the receiver room is making $50,000, let's say, right? If you go out and let's do it again, right? Let's do Dante Cephas again as a, but let's call him a top, an actual top 10 transfer prospect in as a receiver. And you throw 200 at Dante Cephas, and then what happens happens. What what does that do to the dynamics within the room, right? What that like that's a that's a thing. That's a that's a thing to be cognizant of. So I, I think it runs a little bit deeper than just saying, "Hey, uh, Penn State," because it's both, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's 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 kind of both. They they don't have uh, Penn State is more likely to devote again. I'm going to call it resources, but money to Nick Singleton, Abdul Carter, the guys that have done Drew Aller, right? The guys that have mm-hmm. done it, the guys that they've they've seen and put in those positions uh, than they are to the unknown. And really, there, there's not, I, I don't think, there's not a whole lot left uh, as it is. And so, yeah, that, that's why. Fitz, you have any thoughts on that? Um, I think it's more demographic. I just looked at the top 50 receivers in the on three industry rankings. And, uh, I think four of them were in Penn state's region. And, uh, that's tough. Like that's tough. You look at, uh, yeah, why, why don't we do some reading here? We, we go to the top. Um, 
Florida, Alabama, Texas, Alabama, Indiana, Georgia, Texas, Missouri. That kid visited. Uh, Illinois, Alabama, Idaho. Randomly Idaho, of course. Uh, Georgia, <laughs> Missouri, Florida, Texas, California, Texas, Florida. He visited as well. Indiana, Arkansas. That's the top 20. You get the idea. Like yeah. there's there's less of them around. And I think there's some good ones here. You got to find the right ones. Like, and and I, I don't know that you're going to see that uh, from a rankings perspective because of the exposure for the Southern kids is a lot better. Um, and they, they go year round. So it's, it's, I don't want to say easier to find them, but uh, you've got to find the right ones. I mean, you look at Jahan Dotson, uh, borderline four-star there, turned into a first-round pick. That was the, the second to third guy in that class that everybody was looking at. And, uh, you know, it turned out pretty well. So you got to yeah. find the right guys. Um, they've done a nice job getting them to visit when they're younger. But uh, by the time they get there, of course, it's uh, they, they, they all have a ton of options. So um, that's I'm looking more demographic than anything. Um it, they yeah. got to do better. Like I'm not, uh, I'm not saying they don't have to do better, but it's a, uh, it's a harder sell to be a Northeast wide receiver. You get lucky sometimes. A Flowers is having a heck of a rookie year. Um, he came from Florida to, to Boston College. You got to find the right type of guys, and you know sometimes Penn State finds them, sometimes they don't. I, I, I yeah. think that this past year has probably clouded our judgment a little bit more in terms of like what Penn State's been able to do at receiver over the years because yeah. they've actually been pretty good. Like that's the thing. This year was not. Um, yeah. But uh, you got to find the right guys, and you know sometimes you find a Parker Washington. Sometimes you uh, you know Christian Driver goes out at the end of his second year. So like, it's, it's not a, I think it's more about the position than anything. It's going to be an interesting scene, scene in the, in that room and see who develops and who breaks out and, 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 you know, what they get out of that position, because you're right. If, if it all works next year, we're not talking about defensive tackles right now. Right. Um, so let's have, we're going to get back to receivers and the coaches and who's on the hot seat and all that stuff with some of the questions, but this one I think is, is fun. So I'm going to paint this in a fun picture ever since Penn State, uh, began seriously recruiting King Mac, the BWI staff has raved about his potential. I, you know, I think that we all really like what he can do. I think that's fair. If you were a coach for a day, would you play him at slot corner or safety? Because versatility is a part of his conversation. Fits him coming back to you. Um, just theoretically, the either or. You can't play him at both. Would you do slot corner or safety with King Mac? Surprisingly, I'd go safety here. Interesting. Um, he is a little ball of physicality there. Um, and I, you know, Daquan Hardy was awesome. Like he was an awesome player for Penn state. He had a specific skill set that, that was more lean toward corner, which is why, you know, he found his way into nickel and he sort of uh, dug that spot out and did a nice job. And you know, he's played outside. He was even, if you remember back to the Outback bowl, he was practicing at, um, at safety because they weren't sure if Tig was going to be able to play. So like, mm -hmm. He was versatile in that sense, but he leaned more toward corner, whereas King's skill set, I think, it leans more toward um, uh, safety. That's not to say that you can't use him in that situation. Penn State's like to use that little uh, four-two-five where they make the third safety essentially yep. a nickel, like not 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 a pure nickel. I don't know if that mean that that mean Nate. Any thoughts on that? No, yeah. um, How, but I'll finish uh, it off. Uh, there we go. Um, but uh, but I think you can rove him down in that uh, in that third safety area that plays in that nickel void right there so i i would lean towards safety like i said i like big safeties like dex like big safeties but i think king mac has a unique skill set and he's physical enough to make it happen to be one of those guys that can play at that size nate do you want to jump in or do you want me to go well i just i think we got to consider his hip turn right sure yeah absolutely i think that's a great point 
Thank and you. as a safety, you wonder about hip turn and his hip mobility. That's for sure. Absolutely. Go ahead, Steve Frank. I might not drop in there. Noah Pierre, 5'11", 180. That was uh, Tom Allen's Sam linebacker slot defender last year for Indiana football. You know, generally speaking, when they went to that. King Mack, 5'10", 188. And if I were building an NFL defense and I wanted to have 11 defenders that are on the field all times that work in all situations and I don't want to take them off and substitute, I'd book King Mac in the slot. Uh, because as you mentioned, Fitz, he's a little ball of physicality. I think he's awesome. I think he can hit. I think he can run. I don't know the upper end of his man coverage skills, and that would be the situation. But when, when you're talking about King Mac in this particular defense, they're running so many zone concepts, and there's a lot of matching and helping and passing. Um, I think he could be a plus defender from the slot and a guy that could play that, you know, not like a linebacker, not necessarily like a linebacker, but he would be closer, I think, than a, a lot of other guys where you saw early on the Penn State defense clearly had an idea about Daquan Hardy being a third down guy and he worked his way into more run defense snaps over the over the over time I think King Mac can start much farther along that kind of path as a uh, as a slot corner so that's what I would do in these you know four two five defenses and try to build versatility in with the starting 11. I'm really curious to see what kind of flexibility you can get with that safety group because that I don't think that safety group changes at all like mm -hmm. you you probably have more options with king mac and that's in that fourth spot than keaton ellis and keaton ellis was a you know sure. a, a nice guy you know a great uh a great captain a great guy to have around but his his snaps just kind of poof they were almost Plummeted. gone yeah um so you you went with i mean this is all of course it's going to come back to kj winston i mean what, who are we kidding of course here? but because he's the guy he's the guy that you can i mean you could play kj winston as crazy as it sounds as a nickel as a mm -hmm. slot corner like like that that is how good I think that he is, even though he is six one, six two and 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 runs like he does. But you've got Jalen Reed who can also play that little the the old star that we talked about, the Sam role. Like you've got yeah. options here as a key Wheatley. Um, you know, I think is probably I don't want to say took a step back, but like his, his snaps seemed to go down a little bit. And, uh, you know, there were times when he was, uh, you know, kind of phased out, but I think he can come back and still like be really good. Like that yeah. kind of the, the standard there. Um, then you throw King Mack into that and he's a, he's a different kind of player. So yep. I'm encouraged by safety next year. Like probably, I don't want to say more than any other position. Um, cause box linebacker, I think is gonna be really good next year. Um, but, uh, safety, I, I don't really have the worries there. Penn State defense strong up the middle from defensive tackle backwards. I think that's pretty clear. You mentioned KJ Winston. A, this is a great transition because I want to add him to the list here. This is from not Spiker. He says, from the moment they signed, I pretty much penciled Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, denied Dennis Sutton as three, three and done types of guys. Five-star players that were going to be in the NFL after three seasons. But now with NIL, looking at the number of guys around the country that have in, uh, in the past that would have gone to the NFL and now coming back to school, rank those guys most likely to return for 2025. Again, you know, the reality is who has a good season is going to determine a lot of this stuff. So, I mean, is that part of your answer? Uh, Nate, I want you to go first with these uh, guys, and I'll throw KJ Winston on the list because I think he should be a part of this as a uh, you know guy with the talent to be a three and done from that class. Yeah, Whew. um, that's a great question. I uh, look like just being honest. I think that there, 
scouts again this is my perception i think scouts are going to grade nick and katron highly after next season just just based on the things that the 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 improvements that both of them made as complete running backs and i understand that's like counter to the narrative of fan perception i i 100% i get that and so i wonder where how that impacts draft status mm-hmm. right in terms of a gm that's going to make that pick uh the position itself right is are are, are those guys going to go first round it's after, hard to be a first round running back that's what currently. i'm saying it, yeah. it is like i it just feels like a, a a very high bar to clear i don't think and, and not to cut you off here i don't yeah, think ahead. with his physical profile i don't think katron allen is considerable for a first round pick because kind of like corner height weight speed athlete at running back is how you get there with extreme production and talent and all of those things and, and that so if if Nick had the type of crazy, right? Maybe the numbers aren't crazy in terms of total yards, but if he rips off a bunch of big runs and he does it in big games and he's that freak athlete that everyone saw as a freshman, uh, if, if that happens, I, I could see that. Deny, yeah. I think, makes the most sense of, of any of those guys just based on this past year. Deny makes the most sense. That denies the one that would seem to me to be primed uh, to go if that's where he evaluates. But man, I just like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would almost put all four of them as four year guys at this point. I, I mean, I, I don't want to speak out of turn. I just, Fitz, I'm not sure. Fitz, your thoughts there uh, on that? Uh, I'm looking at two of those names at the bottom, Singleton and Katron, as a as a running back that is going to get the sh- stuff kicked out of you. <laughs> That's a great point. What's another year in college point. do for you? You know, yeah. like we we've, we've seen where the most success is for running backs, and it's not necessarily the first round guys, but the guys that you know have the ability to take over a year or two into the league. And I think yep. that uh, Singleton and Katron kind of fit that. But like, I I look back to when Noah Kane committed. And he was like, for the next three years, I'm going to Penn State. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. Like, it, hey, why why would you put your body through that, which is going to hurt your um, your earnings on the other end? Now they're, you know, I'm, I assume they're they're doing okay at Penn State, but at the same yeah. time, like that's another animal, and that's another that's another level of generational wealth that you can add there. So yeah. the two running backs to me, like I I don't if you have good running backs or great running backs, like I think Penn State has you can't expect them to stay more than three years. Like that's kind of where I'm at with that whole thing. Um, with, uh, with Oller, you know, the position is, is the most important position in football and he's going to hear the things, you know, that, you know, other, other prime prospects have heard. So like, it wouldn't shock me at all. It's funny because Nate said deny is probably the most likely, but like he's got to take another step. Like he, yeah. I think he's a great player, great prospect and everything like that, but he's got to take another step in this next year. And we've seen guys that, you know, maybe we didn't expect back um, at that position, you know, because I think what's going to hurt deny here. And I think, again, he's an awesome player and he's an awesome kid and he's awesome. Everything like whatever. Um, but like, he's not a freak athlete. He's not going to yeah. go to the combine. He's not going to run a four, four, eight, you know, it's, it's not going to be a guy that, that, that does all those things that shoot him up the draft board in the off season. He's going to make his money playing football. Like he's yeah. going to put it on tape and do a really good job there. Um, still obviously, you know, 
you know, a ways to go to be a first round, second round pick, but like, he's going to have to, he's probably got more to do on the field than, than, than anybody. And I say with all of there, it's, it's tough to, you know, make that argument. Cause I kind of right. played that out in my head before I said it out loud, which is really not the way to do this. <laughs> um, but uh, he's got, uh, he, he, he's got some, he's got a ways to go to be a dominant defensive end. Cause that's, that's where those guys get drafted. Yeah. The guys that have the profile like him, Joey Bosa ran a four, eight at the combine. Um, but that's a dude who wins with his, you know, speaking of Bruce Lombard, uh, deny has been working with Bruce Lombard for the last two off seasons to do all these things that Fitz is talking about and putting all of the ability on the field. We are Penn state reds. I had this up earlier here, but I want to read it for the podcast audience Overachieving, uh, overarching recruiting football question. Do you think the current state of running back in the NFL usage compensation, second contract will make top prospects eventually choose other positions in high school? I mean, if I were a parent, I would absolutely have that conversation. Um, but secondarily, I do think this folded into the conversation we're having here. I don't know the compensation of a running back in college, but I think my main point here is get as much as you possibly can from 18 onward as, as a running back. If you're going to be that player, be a little mercenary in college. Uh, and if, if, you're, if you're a guy that's going to get compensated, I don't know if it's even possible as much as you would on a rookie contract in your first year, but you get that in college, that's a real conversation because you need to get paid either way. And that second contract in the NFL, it, it's it's still important. You know, Saquon Barkley is going to get money this offseason that all of us here on this, uh, maybe not fits, but, you know, Nate and I probably don't understand. Um, but at the same time, it's not like it was with Adrian Peterson. So I, I just, I, I think that there's an, the, to me, the interesting nuance is the development in, in NIL for that particular position, because you guys nailed it on the other two. It, it should, it should change things. I don't think it will. Like you, you always want to have the ball in your hand. You always want to be the guy like, and that's, that's tough for some people to get away from. Um, I don't know which, you know, it, and it's going to depend on the kid. Like what is he, is he a receiver? Is he a linebacker? Is he mm -hmm. somebody that can, you know, be that? And, and how much does your body change? Like, does your body output change if you're a linebacker versus or a running back versus a linebacker? Like, you don't know that. So I, I think the interesting thing here is like, these running backs, these really good running backs can and should use that leverage while they're in college, like to, yeah. to get the most out of there because it, you ain't long for this league. Like that, that is, that is what the running back is. It is, I don't want to say recyclable, but it's, it's disposable. And, um, mm -hmm. we've seen some really good guys just kind of fall off the table and that's, uh, and it's unfortunate to see it. Cause like, there's some really good, like all time greats that all of a sudden just, are nothing any like nobody wants Dalvin Cook right now. Dalvin Cook was awesome, man. Yeah. Like and so like that that's the that's the change that I see is like these running backs that need to position themselves to make as much money as they can in the smallest window possible. Like I'm gonna see I'm, you're gonna see that in college more and more. Can yeah, I? You, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I want to. I if I if I'm allowed, can I like go back to the draft conversation? Sure. Just real quick. Sure. If if if. And I'm going to lean on you most, T. Frank here. But if if those guys, uh, Abdul Carter uh, had a tweet last night. I think yes, Monday night I saw that. about right, like that he could play for the Eagles today, right now. Uh, yeah, that yeah. he could if if he was draft eligible. Uh, if those guys, including Abdul, were draft eligible today, where would they go? Those Ooh. five, rank, uh, rank them. Uh, I, who Abdul? Well, I'm going to throw KJ in there. 
So KJ and Abdul okay. will be top two on that list. I gotta I gotta pull them again. Uh, pull them up again, so I don't forget anybody. Um, yeah, I would say KJ and Abdul. Aller is the wild card. You know, like he would. He's not draftable right now, but he could be. He could be the number one guy on this list. So that's the wild card. I would go deny after that, and then based on what they've done so far. Katron and Singleton would be at the bottom of the list just because, and by the way, I think like deny fits is right. Second round. I think he's got very strong second round talent from a, from a play perspective. And he's a big dude plays the run really well. does a lot of really good things. Like that's a second round defensive end for some teams. Um, and then Abdul, his pass rushing ability, you know, he has a breakout season. I think, you know, he's not exactly Micah Parsons, but he's got that same thing that could make him a chess piece for a defense. At 250, we might see him in the NFL play defensive end full-time. Uh, KJ, I think he, again, I see first-round talent in KJ. I saw first-round talent in Joey Porter Jr. There's a little bit of helmet scouting going on in the NFL. And then running back, just the value of it and the year that they had, the perception of, the, of those guys and Singleton not being a monster at breaking tackles despite playing with that violence and living up to that Nick Chubb comparison, I think he does not fit the bill yet to be that guy, but he could. Would So I'm saying today, like if today. they were eligible for this draft. Yeah, yeah. That would be my you know list. I mean? Like yeah, forget, yeah. forget the projections. Like, it, like where would teams take them is... Uh, I, a various curious thought exercise. Singleton could me. be a third round guy, you know, like he could be a third round guy. Katron could be a third round guy. Um, you know, I, and, and this is really like ballparking, you know, generally, I think but third, like, second, maybe second round for Singleton for somebody who really believed in his, his measurables, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Well, you're drafting the top of that. Like you're drafting the ceiling, like you're yeah. not drafting like where you think that like his production has gotten him. You're drafting the ceiling of where it's going to be. That's what it's going to be with Abdul. That's what it's going to be with, with Nick. You probably get a little bit more, um, you know, drafting what he is with, with KJ. So, I mean, that's, yeah. uh, Hey, we're not NFL GMs here and uh, that's, uh, that's okay. That's okay. Yet. Nate, you're going to live. You're going to be okay. <laughs> yet. Not NFL GMs yet. Yeah, uh, there's still it's time, my, my uh, guys. There is not still time for the rest of the show, the questions uh, in the mailbag. Excellent work by both of you. Appreciate this. I love these conversations, these in-depth conversations on topics. We're going to be keep, keep doing the mailbag for the rest uh, of the off season because I think it provides really good time to do some some deep dives on some thoughts and topics. So thank you to everybody who submitted a question here and at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Uh, quickly, just get us out of here, uh, Nate. Uh, basketball coverage tonight. Where can people yep. find you? Yeah, uh, 9 o'clock game. I will be on the message board and, uh, you know, post-game coverage, coverage tomorrow, you name it, every day. Fitz, what can people look for you, and uh, what are you thinking about this week over at bluewhiteillustrated.com? Got a junior day coming up this weekend. Uh, fairly, fairly big gathering on campus so that'll be good portal seems to be put to bed for the uh for the for the time being of course you can't add uh any more guys to the spring semester but uh you're gonna keep keep looking because we see this chain that has gone from nick saban to kalen DeBoer to arizona to wherever i think arizona, i think i just did see that arizona's made a hire so um that portal little train there is uh is mm -hmm. going to be interesting to follow but uh, i don't think anything changes for penn state in the spring all right, we'll check all that out at bluewhiteillustrated.com. I'm Thomas Frank Carr for Sean Fitz and Nate Bauer. We will talk to you tomorrow on the BWI Live Show.
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.